0: Hey, what's up NFL fans and welcome back to another episode of the NFL Whip Around where we talk about the hot button topics, the burning questions, all that great stuff about the National Football League and the week that was. I'm Jeff Hartman and joining me as always is coach KT Smith. What's up coach? How's it going?
1: Oh, going great. Yeah. Interesting. Burning, burning topics is a good way to say it because I think there's a lot of those in the NFL right now, man. There's a lot of back in the day, what they call it? Water cooler conversations. You know, I don't think that's a thing anymore, but there's a lot of that going on right now.
0: There is, and there's a lot of fan bases that are constantly feeling like they're they're getting the short end of the stick no matter what, whether it's they're not getting covered enough or they their team got screwed by a controversial call. There is this, it, it seems more amplified. Now I'll ask you, do you think that it's more amplified? Because I certainly do in the age of social media, I feel like it's everywhere. Oh, I
1: absolutely think it's like that because of the number of forums that exist. And uh, I feel as though when i when i look back on football from the 1980s 1990s that uh, it was a, it was a different style of game but i don't think people felt any differently i think people always feel they're getting screwed <laughs> always yeah. feel like certain teams get all the calls you and i are steelers fans we're one of those teams i've heard that many many times over the years the steelers get all the calls and then there was a call in the steelers game yesterday that lends credence to that conspiracy theory so yeah, yeah. I, I just think it's more vocal now than it once was
0: well, I think, too, that not only has the game changed, like the actual, the rules and the, the adaptations of those rules, but also the fact that back in the 80s and 90s, you didn't have a million different replay angles. You didn't have them being able to hyper-focus on where the knee hit and whether the ball was loose. A lot of it was more just judgment calls, and you were like, ah, that didn't look like a fumble to me, But sometimes you never even saw a replay. So a lot has changed for sure. But let's get this show on the road. Let's talk about this. Week seven is in the books, and it's crazy that we're already seven weeks into the season. But I'm going to ask you this question. Which team has been the biggest surprise so far for you? And it could be good or bad. Which team falls in that category for you, Coach?
1: Well, you know, I was looking at the standings before we we came on, and I think there's a couple of somewhat surprising records in there. I didn't expect the Bills to be four and three. I thought they'd be, they'd be better, especially when you give how they've played. I mean, they should have lost that game to the Giants two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And then they lost to the Patriots yesterday or Sunday and the, you know New England certainly doesn't seem very good. but I'll go with kind of maybe a less obvious answer for me, the team that's been the most surprising pleasantly has been the Houston Texans because mm. as a three and three team in a, a fairly weak AFC South I mean they're right in the mix there and I think they have one of the least talented rosters in the NFL. I'll 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 put you on the spot right here Jeff. All right, ready? Here, here's a challenge. Other okay. than CJ Stroud, name a player on the Texans offense.
0: Uh Damien Pierce is a running back, is he not? Yes, you got it. All right, that's Tank Dell is another back. one. See, if the Steelers hadn't have played them though, I probably wouldn't have known any of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, but seriously, that when you go through their roster, yeah. right, cuz I don't think most most fans know Tank Dell. Um yeah. But Steelers fans know Nico Collins because he ripped them for like 160 receiving yards. But they don't have, obviously, a marquee-laden roster. They've got some good young players, but they've got a first-year coach and D'Amico Ryan, who I think is an excellent football coach, always respected his work in San Francisco. And I think you know he brought with him Bobby Slawick, who was coaching quarterbacks and wide receivers in San Francisco, and he's the OC. I think they're doing a great job. Protecting C.J. Stroud. I mean, he's only thrown one interception through his first six games. He set an NFL record for the 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 most passes to start a career without an interception. And they've schemed it up right. They they play decent defense. They they are enthusiastic. They hustle. They do the little things. And I think a, a Houston team that won three games all of last year is already there. And they're not much more talented this year than they were last year. So they're my they're my choice. Who
0: you got? So I, I'm going to kind of parallel with the Texans, but in in another way, you went good. I'm going to go bad. And I'm going to say that what is surprising for me in today's NFL, which I think it is easier to have a turnaround now than ever before, whether it's because of the draft order, whether it's based on free agent dollars that you have to spend. I am so shocked when teams are bad for a really long time. And that's, that's rare. I mean, most teams do have the, that's an ebb and flow. It's, It's kind of cyclical for some teams, not all. How are the Chicago Bears this bad all the time? How exactly are the Chicago Bears like that? They're vying for the number one pick again. Yeah, they have two wins, but still, they're going to be in the top 10 probably in the draft order. And this is after having the top pick last year, which they traded. And yes, they got some draft picks. And it's just unbelievable how I find it surprising, which is the question. I find it surprising that a team like the Chicago Bears, a storied franchise like the Chicago Bears, is has been this bad for so long. I mean, what do you have to do? Go back to Rex Grossman to when the Chicago Bears were actually a, a threat in the NFL? I can't think of another time since. Maybe Jay Cutler for a little bit? I don't know. But that's a surprise. I thought they were going to be a little bit better than this. A little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. And I think
1: you probably all you need to know about the Bears... Is the Chase Claypool trade the the their inability to diagnose and evaluate talent properly has really cost them? And I'm not saying they shouldn't have traded Clay uh, traded for Chase Claypool. They needed receivers at the time, but what they gave up for him is just crazy. So when you when you're swinging and missing on on your personnel evaluations consistently, you'll get bad fast.
0: Yeah, and and that that's a surprise for me because I mean you know that they've gone through coaches, they've gone through general managers. You would think that at some point someone would stick and it just doesn't seem to look like that, although they did come off a win, which we'll talk about that towards the end of the show. Let's go to the next topic, and that is one that I'm pretty passionate about right now, and that's officiating. The Officiating is an ongoing story in the NFL. The one thing, though, it's not just, to me, it's not just inconsistent or it's not just bad. It's that they have a problem, and that's the NFL and the problem is not like the health of the players or the safety of the players. We are getting to the point now where it is becoming a question of the integrity of the game. People are wondering if games are fixed or rigged. You know, I'll tell you a personal story. My father-in-law who does not follow sports really at all. So he knows I'm a Steeler fan and I cover the team. And so I always want to talk about the football and NFL and, He'll just talk about random games, and he'll say, oh, you know, it's all fixed anyways. And it used to drive me insane. Like, if Phil, it is not fixed. Like, please just stop that. Like, these are professional athletes. But I'll tell you what, the more I watch, the more, like, the, the tinfoil hat goes on my head, and it's like, gosh, some of these calls are just absurd. I mean, just absurd. The inconsistency of it, the almost borderline favoritism of some of those. I and mean, we've talked about this on this show in past weeks. How many calls do the Kansas City Chiefs get almost weekly? And you, you then you see a, a call, like, on Sunday Night Football, the roughing the passer call on Jalen Hurts, where he got shoved to the ground. The guy didn't fall on him. He didn't hit him in the head. Did you see that play, Coach?
1: Oh, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> so it, it makes me nuts. I hate that. I, yeah,
0: but – I, I don't blame the people that are skeptical and saying, you know, the, the joke is that it's a scripted, everything is a script, right? I'm not going that far, but don't think for a second that officiating to me, isn't the biggest issue that the league should be dealing with. It's not grass versus turf. It's not concussions. The biggest issue they have right now is officiating. I can't stand how inconsistent it is. The rules are the rules, but it's the way they're being interpreted are just, off-the-wall, mind-numbingly bad, in my opinion. Coach, what do you think?
1: Well, I think two things. I think, one, as far as favoritism goes, I don't know if it's geared towards teams so much as it is towards players. I think that there yeah, is a concerted effort to protect the marquee players. And Jalen Hurts qualifies. There for, for years, everybody knew you couldn't breathe on Tom Brady. The league was not going to let Tom Brady get hurt. And so, just like in the NBA where you had – you know, certain sets of rules for the stars and certain sets for the for the young players. I think that that exists in the NFL. But I think what makes the NFL a bigger problem is the fact that, like you said, the, the game, the rules have changed. And as the athletes just get bigger, stronger, faster, the game gets harder to call. And they're trying on the fly to adjust the way that players have to play the game and fit that into a new set of parameters and it's just really difficult for a players to do it and be officials to interpret it. It's like, for example, Kareem Jackson got kicked out of the Denver green Bay game yesterday. And I know that that was sort of a lifetime achievement award for him, that he's been flagged for several of these hits, but the hit in and of itself, to me, there's nothing wrong with it. You, you, you freeze frame that hit and it's not a helmet to helmet shot. Uh, he he's, his head's involved, but he's trying to lead with his shoulder. You can actually see his his arm is up, trying to like keep him from making contact first with the helmet. He's trying to do the thing they're asking players to do, but but the the receiver's falling down is like catching the ball, kind of as as he's sort of starting to go to the ground, and Jackson's sort of lowering himself and in the midst of all that i i don't know what he's supposed to do and like is he is he supposed to just touch the receiver at that point now that's not football anymore now we're talking about we're playing flag so there's a that that's a huge problem and the, the, i think the the spirit of the league is maybe headed in the right direction let's let's protect players and emphasize player safety but the way they're going about it is terrible and the last thing i'll say real quick is how do they not have year round refs How do they not have full-time refs? How do they not have a a, a developmental league? And these guys should be refing spring games. They should be refing like the the other leagues to get better at their craft. They got a bunch of old guys who are like part-time in a multi-billion-dollar league. It's mind mind
0: mind-boggling to me. Do you know why some some officials didn't want to be full-time? Was because they made more money in their other job. Like that's some crazy. of these guys were like lawyers, judges, they're making a ton of money and they're like, yeah, I just do this on the side. Like, it's just my side gig. <laughs> I don't want to be full-time. I don't want to do this full-time. I just want to do it on the, on the side. So that's one of the things. And by the way, that Broncos safety got suspended for four games. I don't yeah, know if you I, saw that yet. Yeah. Suspended for four games. Yeah. So I, I go back to the Jalen hurts roughing the pastor call. I know you want to protect your, your superstar players and all that stuff. That was in my day as, as a physical education teacher, if my class was playing two hand touch, I wouldn't have said a word to the student that that did that to the quarterback. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> and, and the NFL yeah. flagged it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this, it gives me this horrible feeling. Like what I'm watching is not the game that I grew up watching and loving. You know, it's, it's not that at all. And so I understand the safety aspect. That's not the biggest issue for me, for me. They got to figure out this officiating thing because it's and then you tie in the 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 factor of these sports books that are tied to the league and the league has official gambling partners. Boy, does that not sound good when you see these calls that are at pivotal moments of the game? It's really, really odd. I could talk about this all day. Uh, We won't. Let's go to the next topic. And that is the first coach to be fired. There's there's several that are going to be vying for this uh, this award of the first coach to be fired. Who do you think is the first one to get the ax?
1: That's a, yeah, I mean, Vegas could run a pool on this. That Maybe there they are. Do. They're pro- they do. Oh, they do. Okay, well, there you go. So, I, I mean, you- I think, right, your short list is probably Iberflus in Chicago, and maybe the, the the couple of wins that they've had the last few weeks will help, but they still got 11 games to go, and how many more are they going to win? Uh, I mean, you know, Frank Reich and Carolina, they're winless, but, um he's a you know he's a new coach same thing with Jonathan Gannon out in Arizona he's a new coach uh you know the veteran coaches like Belichick and Peyton I don't think they're getting fired so for me uh it's kind of Brandon Staley's you know award to lose if you <laughs> you know like he he's my clubhouse leader simply because you can you can come up with a reasonable explanation for why all those other teams are bad right now um it's hard, much harder to come up with that explanation for the Chargers. And I'm not saying the Chargers are bad, but they are far from being the team that everybody expects them to be. With the talent on that roster uh, and the returns they're getting, and and on top of the fact that they they blew historically blew a playoff game last year with a 27-point lead, all that adds up to uh, if he doesn't turn it around fast, I think he's the guy.
0: So the the odds-on favorite as of last week, leading into week seven, was Riverboat Ron. Ron Rivera was actually the odds-on favorite. Oh, I, to be I the forgot about him. Actually, I that's a good Washington. point. And I'll throw another name out there that might get canned as well, and that's Josh McDaniels. But then there are the reports that the Raiders can't actually afford to fire him because they would have to continue to pay him, and they don't have the funds to do all that. Like that that organization is in a weird spot right now. But they're when not had, happy uh, with him. I had Hondo yeah.
1: Carpenter on uh, on my uh, call sheet podcast, uh, you know, a little yeah. while back. And that's what he said. He said they were not going to fire McDaniels because of the finances of it all, uh, which is which was interesting to hear. You know, I, we were subject in, in my area to the uh, <laughs> Commanders-Giants game yesterday. That was on television. And <laughs> so I watched bad. a little bit of it. Oh, that was bad football. The number of times that Sam Howell, with pressure in his face, threw a ball fading backwards, and just launched it up for grabs like kids on a playground it was mind boggling to me. Like you just don't see NFL quarterbacks being that reckless with the football. And so yeah, I forgot about Ron, man. And they, they they look bad right now.
0: Well, you know that not to go on a sidetrack here, If you bring up Sam How, do you realize he's gonna he's on pace to set the NFL record of being sacked the most times in a year?
1: Well, it, it looked like it yesterday. It's, it sure he got did. Sacked
0: six times. I didn't realize this until my show on Monday morning with Rob uh, Guerrero, and he said he got sacked six more times against the Giants. He's on pace for over ninety sacks in a season. <laughs> like that's insane. That's uh, Eric Bieniemy's the <laughs> offensive coordinator. Like that looks horrible on you. Like, geez, like can we get the guy some help? My gosh. So yeah, maybe Riverboat Ron is the first one to go. That'll be interesting. I don't know how that'll play out. But Brandon Staley in the Chargers. I mean, to touch on that real quick. I don't. I don't know what else. What else can be said that hasn't already been said? It, it, it's a. It's a continuous loop of losing big games and not coming up in big moments, and that always shines on the on the coach. And so you bring up some good points, but wouldn't you say that because of the talent on that team and within that organization that they might say, "Hey, let's at least let him play it out." Like I don't think he would get fired mid-season. Do you? I don't know. I mean,
1: I. I, I think that their floor is reasonably high that they're going to win enough games where you could talk yourself into keeping him. I mean, they're not going to wind up being five and 12 or something like that. They'll probably be win eight, nine, 10 games somewhere in that neighborhood, but you always feel as though they should be a 12 or 13 win team. And I guess the question is, and I don't know the answer to this, but what's in house. Is there something, if you were going to move on from him mid season, is there a guy you feel comfortable elevating into that role that still gives you a chance to compete? And I don't know yeah. the answer to that.
0: Kellen Moore is there, isn't
1: he? Well, he's been there a hot minute. So, uh, but that would, that'd be a heck of a promotion,
0: right? You could yeah, go for the, sure. Yeah. I mean, Hey, if you're looking for a guy, the offensive coordinator, so you're not going to change the offense, Justin Herbert's going to be fine. Should be a seamless transition. I feel like there is someone there.
1: Kellen Moore would be a more reasonable uh pick if he didn't look like he were 17 years
0: old. <laughs> 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 I think his physical appearance works against him. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right, let's let's move on from the bad stuff. Let's talk about a team that everyone thought was pretty good going into week seven. That's a Miami Dolphins. Like they're five and two. And everyone's like, wow, that's five and two. Like that's a good record. But their five wins came against teams with losing records. And the team, the times they play teams that well, they're pretty good. Well, they've been two losses including the 31 to 17 loss to the Eagles on Sunday night football in Philly. What are your what's your take on the Dolphins? Are they for real or are they just winning against bad teams?
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I you know, I don't think the the evidence is fully complete yet to draw a conclusion on that one, but the trend so far has been that if you can figure out what Mike McDaniel's doing on offense, then you can limit the, the effectiveness of that offense. Philadelphia and Buffalo both held Miami to well under their season averages. I mean, Eagles held them to 17, and I think it was maybe 20 in the Buffalo game. Uh, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in that offense. They, they run the same concepts over and over and over out of multiple looks. So if you can diagnose what they're trying to get into in order to run – their perimeter screens, their outside zone plays, their shovel passes, some of their gimmicky stuff. And you can and you can run with their speed, then I think you got a pretty good chance to slow them down because they're not really a power offense. They're not like the 49ers. I know McDaniel came from San Francisco. At the end of the day, the 49ers uh, can can just line up and knock you off the football and be successful doing that. That's not who the Dolphins are right now. They're a horizontal stretch offense. And if you can plan for that and have the ability to scheme up with them and run with them, then you're going to give them problems. And so you, we've seen it so far, right? Philly and Buffalo are two of the better defenses in the league, two of the more physical defenses in the league. So I think the key to all that is physicality. Did you hear the story uh, about what the, the, the movie scene that Nick Sirianni showed the Eagles for the Sunday night game? <laughs> no, what was it? Nick Sirianni. Have you ever seen a Bronx tale? A long time ago, yeah. Fabulous movie. But there's a scene in a Bronx Tale where this group of bikers comes into the bar that's like kind of on the corner that's featured throughout the movie. And they're disrespectful to the bartender and the bar's run by the mob and they're disrespectful in there. And and at one point the uh, the bar owner asks them to leave and, and they refuse to leave. And then uh, he locks the door and he says to them, Well, now you can't leave. And they oh. get out the bats. <laughs> and they beat the heck out of all these bikers with baseball bats and brass knuckles and all this stuff. And Sirianni showed the Eagles that, and basically with the message of like, you know, this is we're going to lock them in and go to work on them physically. And that's really what the Eagles did. So I think the kryptonite for Miami right now is really physical
0: defenses. So let's let's play this out. So the Dolphins are five and two, barring like a two, a Tua injury, which we saw last year. They're probably going to make the playoffs, you know, whether it's as the division winner or wild card, they'll probably be in that playoff picture. Well, guess what they're going to be going up against in the postseason? Are our, our tough physical defenses because that's those are the teams that get into the playoffs. If I'm a Dolphins fan, I've got to be a little concerned. I have to be looking at this team and saying, yeah, the 70 points against a really crappy Denver team was fun. But what have we done against teams that are actually contenders? That makes me think that they maybe they're a little bit more pretender than contender. You agree or disagree?
1: Yeah, I'll be very interested to see how that offense translates in December when it gets real cold and they go to the northeast, they go up to buffalo. They have to go play one of those physical teams in a tough climate. Uh so I'm not sold yet either. I'm I'm you know, I'm waiting to okay. see what when they really face adversity how they do.
0: It's going to be interesting. The Miami Dolphins, they, they do things so unconventional. It's a little bit different, but hey, the, the Philadelphia Eagles, they put them in their place. So kudos to them because I believe one of those touchdowns that Miami scored was a defensive touchdown, was it not?
1: Yeah, pick six, yep.
0: So there you go. Offense didn't live up to it. All right, let's go to the next topic. Pittsburgh, New England, and Chicago. The league's three worst statistical offenses entering week seven, yet they combined to go to 3-0 and and to average almost 28 points per game among the three. What happened? How did those offenses <laughs> finally wake up? Well, I think we could talk for days about Pittsburgh. Why don't we start with New England and Chicago?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, New England and Chicago had kind of different recipes for success. Uh, the Bears rushed for almost 180 yards. I mean, that was that was a big part of it there, ground control. And they didn't really have explosive plays. Their longest play from scrimmage was was 16 yards. And yet they they rushed for you know again almost almost 180 and they were at about 350 for the game so that means they just grounded out man ball control and which is great they had a young quarterback uh, there who we're going to talk about in a minute um, and they were able to protect him he was only sacked one time and and they ran the ball well and that's the recipe to win when you got a young quarterback like that and uh, New England was kind of the opposite man they created explosive plays they had. They had four plays of 30 plus yards or more. I mean, Mac Jones was like 25 out of 30, which I mean, who saw that coming? And uh and they created the explosives and that final drive where they where they go down the field and score late to get to get the win. I mean, they just were efficient. They just dinked and dunked the ball. And then when they had a chance to take a shot, they took a shot. So well coached game. I think, I think maybe a bit of an anomaly for that, for that team, you know, in, in those divisional games, like new England Buffalo, you just, you know, each other so well that, uh, you know where the bodies are buried. So, I mean, I think that they, there's sure. an opportunity for new England to do better against a division rival than maybe some of the other teams in the
0: league. What about Pittsburgh? I mean, what, what, what about Pittsburgh? I mean, they scored Clutch 24 Kenny, points. Clutch, Clutch Kenny. If people want to make fun of that, but you can't, you can't deny it. The guy has, I think five, fourth quarter comeback, six game winning drives in 18 career starts. Like that's incredible. Yeah. it's insane. Like you cannot look at those numbers and say, that's a flash in the pan. No, if anything, he is clutch. Kenny, the question is, is what about the first three quarters? Kenny, what the hell's going on there? And that's, that's the question that all Steeler fans want to have, have answered. What are your thoughts?
1: I mean, he was, he, the, through the first three quarters on Sunday, he was eight for 16 for a hundred yards passing. And in the fourth quarter alone, He went nine of nine for 150-some yards. So, I mean, how do you explain it? I, I don't know. I mean, he was a different guy. You looked at him in the fourth quarter, and he was confident, and he was standing in the pocket. The first series, on the second play of the game, he runs himself into a sack. Now, the Steelers blow a protection, but he could have really just slid in the pocket and kept his eyes down the field. He bails out of there, and he ends up running into pressure, and it's a sack. In the fourth quarter, he's getting hit in the face, man. He's just standing in there, same stuff, getting hit in the face, and he's delivering strikes to his receiver. So I don't know if that's like he gets he begins to understand the flow of the game better, he gets to understand the defense better, or if it's just uh, an issue of when the when crunch time's there, man. His focus is is much better. I'm not sure, but it's a real thing.
0: I I've always I'm gonna this is a hill I'm gonna die on, and that is that Kenny Pickett is best when he has a running game when they're the Steelers are at least running it semi well. And they were doing that in the fourth quarter, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren were ripping off yards three, four at a time, decent clip. And all of a sudden now, Kenny Pickett doesn't have all that pressure on him a little bit more manageable down in distances more of the field opens itself up. And he was delivering those passes over the middle, which again, for the Steeler fan base, it's just drives them nuts when everything is outside the numbers, outside the numbers. And, uh, even when George Pickens makes a business decision not to go after a ball over the middle. <laughs> Can't say I blame him, though. Can't say I blame him. So which, let me ask you this. Out of these three offenses, which one has the best chance to actually have their arrow pointing up going forward?
1: I think the Steelers. They have the most talent of the three offenses. And last year, we saw it happen after the bye week. Pittsburgh kind of reinvented themselves a little bit, rediscovered their run game, and went 7-2 and two down the stretch. Uh, with a formula and they play good defense and then the offense runs the ball efficiently and and they lean on Pickett to make some big plays predominantly in the second half. And that's a prove, been a proven recipe for success. And I think the Steelers can lean into that again, whereas with Chicago and New England, I, I you know, they had nice days on Sunday, but I, I think both are just significantly flawed and will struggle to be consistent.
0: Very good. All right, let's let's do our player profile. This one is on me this week because you've been doing all of them up until this point. This is uh, Tyson Bajan. Now, before we even talk about him, this is the rookie quarterback that started and won his first NFL start with the Chicago Bears. Uh, did you get to watch the video of his father that I sent you by chance? It
1: was fantastic, man. It was awesome. <laughs> so, that's a dude. That's a guy who doesn't need a Red Bull. I'll tell you that.
0: No, no, he does not. And he's kind of like a living legend in that area. Trust me, like he's, he's all over the place. Tyson Badgen's dad is a world renowned arm wrestler. And he is more like a, more like a WWE superstar than he is anything else. Like you give him the mic, he can handle everything. Um, He's quite the character. So I sent you that video. I'm glad you enjoyed it, but i was like, okay, where do I go with this? I decided I found up a little write up of him. So he, this guy, Tyson Bajan had a lot of offers to go to play at bigger schools, but he was—he's from Martinsburg, West Virginia, which is in the eastern panhandle of West Virginia, and uh, he wanted to stay close to home, and so he decided to stay and go to Shepherd University, which is where I went to school. I actually went to Shepherd College and graduated from Shepherd University because they changed it in the middle of my tenure there. Nonetheless, he graduates in 2022. He became the starting quarterback for the Shepherd Rams as a freshman. In his first game with the team, he threw for 518 yards, going 36 for 54 with three touchdowns, putting himself in college record books. So his resume, he's a two-time first-team Division II All-American, the Mountain East Conference Offensive Player of the Week, and first-team All-Mountain East Conference. He holds NCAA records for the most touchdown passes in a career with 159, a record for all divisions, and holds over 20 school records, including most touchdowns responsible for in a single game, seven most games with 300 plus passing yards in a single season, 11 most passing yards in a single season, 5,000 and most touchdown passes in a career. His numbers alone got him invited down to the senior bowl. And that's when he started to really catch the attention of NFL scouts. He got an invite to the NFL combine and he's a draft pick by the Chicago bears. And he is the one that beat out some veteran quarterbacks to be the backup behind Justin Fields. And he's getting his chance. When I heard that he was starting, I said to myself, if there's anyone that's going to go in there and it's not going to be too big and he's not going to care because he does have a lot of his dad in terms of his moxie and his ability to just be like kind of like that edge and that arrogance. He's got the arm sleeve tattoos and stuff. He's, he's a different cat, but man, he loves to throw the football. And when he was at shepherd, they more from like this super running team, run oriented three yards in a pile of dust or a, a cloud of dust. And they just started aerating it all over the field. So he can throw the football. It was really cool. Shepard has had players make it to the NFL. Uh, Howard Johnson was from Shepard who spent time with the Pittsburgh Steelers and then down with the Bay Buccaneers. Uh, but this is like the biggest name player that's ever come out of division two Shepard University. So really cool. We wanted to bring that up. There's our player profile of the week.
1: You throw for throw for five thousand yards in a season. I don't care if it's in a in a old man flag football league, man. That's impressive.
0: Yeah, some guys couldn't do that in seven on seven, let alone in an actual you know situation. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. So there you go. There's our player profile. I don't know how long he'll be starting, but I'll tell you what, Justin Fields might want to get back on the field sooner than later. <laughs> he might say we might have something in this kid. You never know. But yeah. coach, let's get out of here with this. I want to ask you this question. Do you feel like after seven weeks that the the cream is slowly rising to the top, that the 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 wheat is be is being separated from the chaff, or do you still think we need some more time?
1: I think we have a pretty good idea who the elite teams are. To me, there's three teams in the top of the league. It's San Francisco, Kansas City, and Philadelphia. I know some people are down on the Eagles, but boy, they look pretty darn good on, on yep. Sunday night and they're six and one and the defending NFC champs. So To me, that's the that's the top. And and from there, who knows, man, there there. It feels like every single team below them, with the exception of a couple bottom feeders, is like three and three, four and three, three and four. You know, everybody's kind of in that in that mix. So I think when the weather turns cold and teams have to change their strategies a little bit. And and it and it you you mentioned business decisions earlier. George Pickens made a business decision when it's 14 degrees outside and and the he hitting really take. Those are some business decisions, right? Absolutely. I I just think December is the month. You know, mid mid late November, December. Those are the months that really uh, are are when we learn an awful lot about who's going to make a run and who won't.
0: It's going to be a lot of fun. And I tell you what, this year, I've really enjoyed this season. It's been a lot of fun. I haven't watched this much football in a really long time because I'm trying to catch everything so I can talk about it on shows like this and other shows on our NFL feed, like the fans first football show with Rob, make sure you're checking out all of our content on that feed. Found us, you found the feed, so subscribe, whatever you have to do so that you don't miss that. Uh, Kevin, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone what's coming up on your call sheet podcast.
1: Yeah, the call sheet show this week. Well, last week we talked about scoring being down in the NFL and some of the reasons for that. And and then lo and behold, this past weekend it was back up. You know, there yeah. were two weeks ago, or two weeks ago there were only two teams in the whole league who scored more than thirty points. And then on Sunday there were eight of them. And so we're going to talk a little bit as to uh, about why. What are what are some of the reasons? What did some of those What did some of those offenses do that allowed them
0: to score uh, over the weekend? Good stuff. Good stuff. And Pez, I mean, a little rough go of it. I don't know if he made his picks on your show, but in his Pez's picks, he, uh, he did better in college this week, but I don't know. Did you get those picks last week?
1: I did not. I didn't get his picks and I didn't see him today either. So I'm not, I'm, oh. I don't know. Uh, I don't know, know how he fared.
0: I'll let you, I'll let him explain it then. Okay. okay. <laughs> so nonetheless, uh, you can find my work and Kevin on the steel curtain network covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just search Steelers or steel curtain network. You'll find us there on Twitter. You can find me at J Hartman, H a R T M a N underscore P I T coach work. May they find you on Twitter
1: at KT Smith, F F S N.
0: Perfect. That sounds great. Coach. Thanks for your time. We'll see you next week. Take it easy.